Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, senior film writer for Now Magazine, and this is the other thing I do. This week marks the third anniversary of Someone Else's Movie, and I wanted to do something special to mark the occasion. So my guest is Andrew Fung, a veteran improviser and actor who just won his second Canadian Screen Award for Best Performance by an Actor in a Featured Supporting Role in a Comedic Series for his performance as Kimchi on Kim's Convenience, where he occasionally co-stars with friend of the show, Paul Sun-Hyung Lee. Andrew wanted to talk about Best of the Best, the 1989 martial arts movie starring Eric Roberts and Philip Ree as members of an elite squad of athletes brought back together for a Taekwondo competition with South Korea. And the thing is, Andrew came so prepared and found so many other connections that we wound up discussing, well, virtually every American action franchise produced in the last 30-odd years, and a few others as well. And also Hitch. Just trust us, follow the flow, we'll get to the title you're waiting for. I guarantee it. This is someone else's movie. You know, you asked me, uh, and you, you said, Andrew, I want you on the show, and I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And I just want to sit down and talk to you about movies. Sure. And then when you're like, pick a movie, I'm like, pick a movie? How do you pick a movie? And, and I, I just kind of sat in my hotel room for a little bit. And, and I was like, what do I pick? And I think there's, like, obvious ones you could pick. Um, like, Back to the Future and, like, those ones. But I'm like... I, I tried to think of one that, like, really hits home. And Best of the Best is this film that I, I wrote... When I wrote you, I'm like, Best of the Best. It's random. You might not know it. You're like, I know it. And I was like... I thought about it. And that movie, to me... I watch that movie maybe three or four times a year. Okay. And, I, and I, sometimes I'll leave it on when I'm working. And, or I'll just I'll watch it at night and I try to get my wife to watch it. And that movie holds up. And it's the first movie that had a mix of martial arts, which uh, when I saw it, I was uh, seven or eight. I was in love with. I was doing Taekwondo and I love martial arts movies. But it's the first martial arts movie that had like a moral code and like made me think of like narrative. And so from that time... I use that movie as like an example of like how I develop long form improvisation. Okay, and that's my background, like improv. Because it is a, I mean, it's this. It occupies this weird space because it, it had sequels. It was yeah, you know, it wasn't. It was a, a mixed martial arts movie that was right out of the Van Damme era, but it didn't have Van Damme in it. It had Eric no. Roberts. Yeah, and which is which? Which I tell people, and they're like Eric Roberts. Yeah, <laughs> right. And it had terrible sequels. Part they had they had two three and four, and best of the best two tries to maintain some of the allure and the storytelling of part one, but it tries to make it more Hollywood and becomes a Van Damme movie, mm-hmm. and then three and four straight up become Van Damme Seagal movies, which is a disappointing thing because number one to me is not just a martial arts movie; it's a story of many individuals and the reasons why they are fighting in this tournament. Yeah, it's yeah. funny. I I was. I haven't. I have to admit, I haven't. I couldn't catch up to it again. I haven't seen it in thirty years, but I remember yeah. it pretty vividly. It was one of those films that was the. It was the VHS revolution where you could get a movie funded based mm. on the cast you had attached. You could yeah. sell it internationally, and you yeah. could get a distributor. Uh, I, that's when I first saw it. I think I reviewed it for the the Stars Video Magazine at the time. Oh, wow! And it's. Yeah, it's a team of five Olympic athletes who yeah. overcome their differences to go compete against the Koreans. And Olympic is Olympic athletes is very generous. Like, yeah. <laughs> it is five misfits, and uh, so it's a sports movie at, at its core, right? But that's it. Like it yeah. uses the formula and then just yeah. kind of 
bends it and kinks it into something. And and like Action-y. you know, so I, I'll try to keep this spoiler free for listeners because I think you can watch Best of the Best on YouTube. It's available. Okay. There's a bunch of bootlegs on it. Yeah, uh, DVDs out there. DVDs um, out there. It's I, on Apple. It's not available. It's weird. It doesn't stream anywhere in Canada, but it's everywhere in the US. <laughs> so the rights have obviously lapsed. The rights have lapsed, and it's about five individuals, and there's uh, an upcoming tournament between the US and Korea, which I think is so timely. Yeah. Like, I think it's like it's, it's South Korea, but I think it's so timely, the storytelling. And each of these individuals has a purpose of why they're there, and they have to go through like this qualifying round. But the movie doesn't put emphasis on, like... Uh, like there's a cheesy glee reference, like we gotta make it to the to, to, to the state finals. Right. It's not really that. It's like they get there and they're coached by James Earl Jones. And if I tell someone James Earl Jones is in a movie, they're like, Oh, James yeah. Earl Jones is in the movie? Uh it's Sally Kirkland's in this movie. Yeah. And so you have some, Louise Fletcher too, right? Is she, yes. Plays Robert's uh, mom yes. in one scene. Yes. In in, in two scenes. Okay. Yeah. And they um they 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 bring together this team and so you see them the team come together a bit. Um, a little bit of elements of cool runnings in a way mm-hmm. of them coming together. They don't quite get along. Um, they have different styles of martial arts, but then it's revealed. And this is to me is at the core of the story. There's two things happening. Eric Roberts has been in, he was previously injured in a fight years ago Yeah, and he shouldn't be there. That's right. Bad shoulders. Bad yeah. shoulder. Yeah. He's at, he's at two, two screws and a metal plate and he's working at a car factory and he says, mama, I feel like I can still fight. So there's an underdog story there got the busted shoulder fighting for his kid his wife is dead he wants to do it for her and then on the other end philip Bree, who is only ever known for these movies um and philip Bree is very big in the martial arts world he plays tommy lee and tommy lee goes into tournament. you think that tommy's is there he's the best martial artist on the team in a lot of ways you think he's the only guy that can fight right and then it's it's revealed when they give everyone their opponents that tommy lee gets day han and Dehan is the most feared fighter in the world. And Tommy has his flashback because Dehan killed his brother in a, in, in a tournament like this when he was a little, little boy. And the coach at that time was James Earl Jones. And so then it becomes this whole story of like Tommy's fear. And then does he do it? Does he fight for his brother? Does he run away? And then James Earl Jones is, is, is put under the spotlight because he knew about this. And he puts Tommy in that position. Um, I just think that like that's when to me it became more than a fighting movie because at that time 87 to 93 every movie was Van Damme Seagal something bad happens you gotta kill the bad guy yeah they killed his brother now he kills them back that's it's right it's always so basic and so simple so simple Seagal's like three movie run during that time was basically uh, you know above the law yeah um, it's and, his cousin right and above the law that gets killed <laughs> yeah there's a there's a great scene where he walks into this billiards bar and he's fighting off these dudes and like to me that's a classic Seagal scene but this best of best didn't really have that it was more team it was more like scenes about your like moral struggle your personal struggle with like the martial arts so the martial arts was like secondary mm-hmm. and there wasn't these blood bloody scenes with violence because the fighting was done in the ring so there's rules around it. So it was a, it was a very moral movie to me. And I, um, uh, so I'm known for Kim's Convenience. Sure. And uh, I, I think the really interesting thing that ties into all this is three years ago at the Edmonton Fringe Festival, I was doing a, I was touring a show. And I was touring a show called Kill Hard. And Kill Hard is an improvised action movie. We interview the audience 
on who your job. Oh, I want to see this. And we turn it, we turn your life into an action movie on stage. All we know is what we get from you, the audience, and all we know is that the hero's name is John Stryker. <laughs> That's all it is, and it's me and another guy, and all we we play all the characters. But to prepare for it, we watch like a hundred martial arts and action movies. Right. And but best of the best to me exemplified the internal struggle because heroes aren't perfect and 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 best of the best taught me that and heroes have motivations for what they do and we had to apply that storytelling to kill hard um and so i when i when i picked this movie and i think i think about my experience as an actor now at kim's convenience it all goes back to best of the best in some odd way um but the movie, the movie, like it, it, it just, it just. I think it, I think, I think it holds up. I went back and rewatched it the other night. Okay. Because there's no references. Like I find, like movies when they have references to, to like technology, or or something happening in the world, you're kind of like locked into that. But this to me just holds up because those things happening can happen in any time. You know. Yeah. A person feeling like they haven't fulfilled their their destiny in life. Someone. Um, dealing with the loss of, of a loved one, you know, stuff like that. I feel like it holds up, but yeah, uh, it just, it, 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 it's at my core of like of who I am. So how often do you revisit it? Is it something you keep around? Yeah, three or four times a year. I have the DVD in my bedroom. I have that and Best of the Best 2 like together on my DVD player in their bedroom. Like it's, it's very odd. It's those two in the film Hitch. Okay. And Hitch is so... My wife loves the film Hitch. I was going to say, that doesn't line up in any <laughs> no, way. It doesn't line up to what my narrative it is. It has my single favorite scene that Will Smith has ever done, which is that bizarre moment. And um, it's that thing... Oh, this is so stupid. That that, that moment where he takes... Um, he takes Ava Mendes to... Um, the, to the to the, the, the island. To Ellis Island. Yeah, yeah. And shows her her great-great-grandmother. Yes. And she throws up and can't stand it. Yeah. That amazing... He was the butcher. I thought it was. A, I thought it was an occupation. It's yeah. just so weird, and he plays it so beautifully. <laughs> but it's such a. That's a specific scene. Yeah, too. it's stuck in my head. It's like ten years now. I think I still have the Blu-ray for that very reason. Someday, I'm just going to use it as a master class of how to subvert expectations in comedy. Yeah, because it, it's it's a romantic comedy, and he brings her there because he's he's Alex Hitchens, and he's supposed to be like the the matchmaker. He's the best at it. Yeah. So he. Sets up this amazing date. They ride a sea to Talos Island. He pulls a favor with the security guard. So you think it's going to be this loving moment. You're right. And yeah. it just flips the switch. Um, yeah, it could be one of Will Smith's best best scenes. Yeah, it's because he, he's so graceful and so slick. And then it just completely falls apart. And he loses it. And he just... Yeah. The, it's the only time I think we really see the character flounder. And he's... Yeah. I guess it's like, if we're talking about Will Smith now, it's like... I enjoy that movie, but not in the same way I enjoy Best of the Best. Yeah, how has he not made these more of these? How, yeah, and like to me, like I look at like his track record, I'm like, that movie stands out because it's one of the few times you see Will Smith. It looks like he's enjoying acting, whereas like if he's done like action movies, he knows they're big hits, um, and he's tried to go for the Oscar, you know, with certain yeah. films. But I felt like yeah, Hitch. I was always surprised there wasn't a sequel, or or he, he didn't do more like it, and. And uh, he's has a, had a renaissance on Instagram recently with like doing more and more videos and little bits to try to show up his son. So I, I hope he does return to that. And there was there was a, a rumor of their rebooting Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Okay, uh, sure. And so I said the only highlight to that was that you actually might get to see Will Smith in a likable character again. It's you know? been a while. It's been uh, a while. I don't. He is an, a phenomenally charming person. Yeah. 
And yeah, to see him turn himself off and stuff like Suicide Squad is just, it's not fun. It's, it's, there's no joy to it. I was disappointed that he did a Suicide Squad because I felt like Will Smith, if I, if, if I go back and look at him from Bad Boys and Independence Day onward, mm-hmm. I, I, in, a, in an odd way, I'm disappointed with his career because I felt like he could have made better decisions and better choices. Yeah. I mean, those are some charismatic performances, too. Like Very he's, kind of, he's a fun 90s action guy. Fun 90s action guy. I compare him in a lot of ways to The Rock. Yeah. Because The Rock the Rock and Will Smith transitioned out of roles that no one really gave them a shot of yeah. doing it. And they both kind of have the same mentality. They will out-hustle and outwork anyone. And they, they, they will tell us. And so, but I look at The Rock's career, and I think The Rock's done a really good mix of of really fun roles and charming roles and I could always enjoy a rock movie where and so when Will Smith took Suicide Squad I was just disappointed because I'm like oh I didn't see him doing that yeah. I didn't see him kind of I don't want to use the word selling out but I, I, I didn't think that he would he would he would think that was uh, a, a, an opportunity to like really showcase himself and, and the movie's not very good yeah I think that's the other thing too if the film had been any better like yeah. any better we'd probably be more generous about him yeah and, and you're right like when, when The Rock went to a Fast and Furious franchise like mm-hmm. I think people rolled their eyes but oh he's so good in this he's so good and, and, the, and the, 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 he's got a spinoff coming out with with Jason Statham are they actually going to do yeah, that? Yeah, they're doing oh, a that's fantastic. doing a spinoff with him, him, him and Statham. It could just be the prison fight from eight. It could, if it's it, just that for two hours, I would still watch that. Those two are so charming. Yeah, and I, I've been a big fan of Jason for a long time because he knows who he is. He knows exactly who he is, yeah. and every now and then he'll surprise you. You know, and I, I think that's that's good. You kind of lower he lowers the expectations a bit, and he does something like, "Oh, that was really good." Yeah, well, like Spy. Have you seen him? In, did you see Spy? You must have. Spy. Where he is so good because yeah. he's, he's like arguing with his entire career. He's a parody of himself. Yeah, and I love that about him. I just love the idea when he's explaining to Miss Melissa McCarthy all the things he's done. There's that great scene where she checks into the hotel, and I love her. I think she's so great. And here's a scene where she becomes a straight man. And he becomes the like, comedy hammer, and he's going off of all these things he's done and been in. Um, I've had a hundred. I'm I'm uh, immune to 178 poisons, <laughs> and how do I know that? Because I've had all of them in a poison eating contest. He, his arm ripped off, and he ripped it back together, <laughs> and it cuts to her. She's like, "That's not good." Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. he's yeah, he's great in that movie, and 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 so those two together are are charming, but they also br- bring it. Like, you go to a rock movie because you're expecting really good action. Um, and, and he always delivers, but then he throws in that charm, like Jumanji. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. If months ago, before Jumanji came out, I, we could have polled people, and yeah. I think the majority of people would be like, "Yeah, it'll make money, but it'll be a flop. It'll be considered a flop." Right. That oh, movie that was huge, huge, and it's the, the the what do they call it? The four quadrant appeal, where there's something in it for literally everybody. Everybody, everybody. And that casting was great. You know, having Kevin Hart in there and yeah. Jack Black in there, but yeah, I, I think The Rock has has done a good job. But yeah, those two in a f- Furious movie, and which 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 um, I went back and rewatched all the Fast and Furious movies recently. Yeah. I don't know why. I just they were on Netflix, and I'm like, uh, it's time <laughs> I do it. Um, it really does get better. Oh yeah. No, I mean they didn't even know what they had until the third or fourth one. I don't think. Like, I think the fourth, third one that was was supposed to kill the series. The third one was supposed to end it because it was in Tokyo and. I like Tokyo Drift. I will fight for it. I will fight for it, Tokyo Drift. It's it's the first one, really, that is interested in the driving. And that sounds dumb, but it yeah. turns the stunts into beautiful things. Yeah. I think Jace, uh, Justin Lin. Justin Lin, yeah. Justin Lin directed that one. His first one. And he had done um, Better Luck Tomorrow. Better Luck Tomorrow, yeah. 
And so, in, in, in a way, when I explain, like, the complexity of Fast and Furious, because I tell them that th- the third one takes place chronologically yeah. before, oh. eight, before eight. <laughs> it's almost impossible to explain. You know, and I, they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, well, let me break it down for you. Yeah. And I explained that, that Justin took this character that he made, that he had, that he knew from college, and put him in all these movies so you can connect all these movies together. Yeah. But Tokyo Drift was, you're right, it was beautiful, and the, the driving sequences. And they, then, then he, when he did four and five, he applied it to that. Now, after five, then it kind of went away because then it became... It wasn't just like a, a hit movie. It became a blockbuster movie. Okay. And uh, everyone put, tries to get their hand on things now, you know, and it becomes the marvel of cars. Sure. You know, but uh, I, I think going back to why we're talking today, well, best of the best, like... Well, it's funny. Know. I was going to say, the Fast and Furious movies are the things I think about when I'm trying to figure out what the modern analog of best of the best is because it's a group of people, yeah. multi-ethnic assortment of specialists yeah who are also doing this thing like yeah the, the purpose the mission yeah the, the the it's all kind of there right yeah and a lot of interpersonal relationships like yeah. they're not strangers and 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 there as you go through a film you you realize oh there's complexities between the people and i think that that is for a young a young comedian a young andrew fung was so interesting yeah. and and that's why I do love the Fast and Furious movies because I, I'll tell people I'm like narratively they're pretty wild like yeah. there's a lot of they bring back characters they find ways to do it um, in 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 part 8 they bring back a character that was in part 5, 6, 7 that you didn't think was going to be there yeah and they give Vin Diesel's character like a purpose in like life and I was like blown away I was blown away by that um yeah, and it's, you know, having spent 15 years with these characters now, or longer, Jesus, I think the first one was 2000 or 2001? 2001? Okay, so, yeah. yeah, so 16, 17 years now with these yeah. characters. It's like, oh, they would have these relationships. Like, this stuff goes on forever with them, even if most yeah. of the movies take place within a smaller window of time yeah. and then jump ahead. It's like, they've grown up, they've grown old. Uh, if you, you know, like, if you stay in the Brian world, then yeah. he's, he's off having kids and living yeah. his life. It's really weird to... To look at these films and think these movies are based on emotional complex, like they're about family, they're yeah. about family and loyalty. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And it's to the point where eight makes fun of it constantly. Yeah, it's become a parody on like, itself because he's always referencing family, but it makes it his weakness. Yeah, and, I don't have friends, I have family over and over again. Yeah, um, and and you're right because I watched that movie in theaters um, when I was like sixteen, seventeen, mm-hmm. and I, I was driving a Honda Civic at the time. <laughs> So I remember, I remember the, as soon as I got in the car driving home, oh, it's bad news. Like, you know, you're speeding home. And, and it, 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 it puts me in a place, you know. I, I think, I think, um, I think that, that series has grown with a lot of people, which is, explains its power and explains why movie companies will keep putting money into it because, you know, guys like me will keep watching it. Sure. I mean, know? I still watch them. I'm, I'm really... Like, Tokyo Drift came out the year I learned to drive stick finally, and it was oh, like nice. I relate to this on every level. Yeah, <laughs> I was that idiot young kid, except I was in my forties, thirties. Um, <laughs> let's say thirties. Thirties, and uh, it's hard. It's really hard. The car doesn't do what you want it to do. No, not it's at all. Really frightening. The yeah. first time you realize, oh, I don't actually have to touch the brake to make the car stop or go. Yeah. That's not right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but the thing I was thinking about in terms of comparing Best of the Best and Fast and the Furious movies is that. Fast and the Furious movies have almost made a virtue out of their actors not being the best at acting. Like, it isn't until Johnson and Statham show up that you get the sense of... And maybe, you know, like, Michelle Rodriguez can do it, but she does kind of revert to that devil face thing she does. Yeah. 
and Diesel, it uses his limitations. Walker, same. And then with the best of the best, you've got this weird imbalance of having Eric Roberts, who'd been nominated for an Oscar and was, yeah. was like wildly overqualified to be in an action movie. Mm-hmm. And he seems to kind of know it. Like he's, he doubles down on acting when everybody else is going through the physical stuff. Yeah, like he, 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 he's the one that clearly tries emotional sounds and emotional like faces and reactions. Yeah. So you see it like going back. I think, I think if you pick, pick, pick the five, Virgil and Sonny are the lower end fighters. They're not good. They shouldn't be there. They're the so the, the the throwaway characters. They 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 have one emotion. That's it. You very very rarely see them. You have Chris Penn. Yeah, Chris right. Penn in there, who, in a lot of ways, just plays himself. Yeah, like he always did, right? He like, always that was his did. Strength as an actor was just like sort of... the the unloved brother, like the second best. Yeah. Like, and he kind of get it here. The Devito of twins. Yeah, the Devito of twins. Um, uh, who's the other Bridges brother? The Bo Bridges Bo, of comedy. Oh, yeah. Bo. <laughs> Bo Bridges. My good friend, I don't know you, Ryan Belleville. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Jason Belleville. For, Jason Belleville and Ryan Belleville are from Loose Moose Theater in Calgary. And Jason would always rock, walk around saying that he was the Bow Bridges of comedy. <laughs> he was always the other brother. It's a good way to bring somebody up. <laughs> um, the Bow Bridges of the comedy. comedy. <laughs> uh, but Eric, yeah, he's he, he clearly has, like, he's he's acting. He's acting in. He has a scene where he cries. Mm-hmm. He comes because he comes to the coach to say, you know, he need that oh, time off for yeah, a reason. Yeah, yeah. And he, the line is, "What the hell is wrong with you?" And he's half crying, half mad. So you're right. No one else has quite the acting chops in the movie. Even the James Earl Jones, because James Earl Jones is acting isn't so much like the. I don't know. James James has a different status about him. Yeah, he's not trying for gravitas. He's just no. he's an authority figure, but he's yeah. also. Really relaxed compared, well, especially compared to Eric Roberts, who's very, very serious in all of their scenes together. Yeah, this, yeah. I, I remember this more than anything else. I remember the tension in various scenes based on Roberts. Yeah, because he's a he's he's a fascinating personality as an actor because, you know, he made a he made his real uh, he made a real splash and stuff like the Pope of Greenwich Village and yeah. Star Eighty, where he's playing these big, like complex, complicated, broken characters, mm-hmm. and then Runaway Train, where he's kind of almost like a, a an action figure model of some sort yeah. where he's just doing stuff physically but it's it's a great performance he's really yeah. compelling and then he sort of he swerves into whatever it is that he would do for most of the 90s yeah. uh, which is take a lot of parts do a lot of work i just assume for whatever personal reasons he he didn't want to pursue a hollywood career or he was unable to yeah. like to do big star stuff and he's never not interesting but yeah. he doesn't always fit yeah, like, I don't know if you've ever looked at his IMDb. Oh, yeah. But it's, like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, like, it's, it's like so long. fired a shotgun into a box. Yeah, like, so I looked, I, I, I maybe, in 2013, I, I signed on to do a movie, and I, I was like, oh, who do you think we'll get in for this role? They're like, oh, I think we'll get Eric Roberts. And I'm like, cool. <laughs> and they came to me a little while later, like, yeah, we passed on Eric. I'm like, why? He's like, because he's got, like, 20 movies in development. So there's no... Like there's no like if you're gonna pay up for someone you, you kind of want a little bit of a name as well, mm-hmm. and so uh, he with twenty movies in development we don't get much, you know, b- bump from it. Right. And so, yeah, it's it's huge, um, and and I think for me what so when I go back to this movie and you're going back to the movies you're talking about this was in a time where 
he was arguing like he was having a he was having a good run. Yeah, yeah. And so this was like an odd movie for him to step into, but one I will be happy he did because he like legitimized martial arts. Eric Roberts legitimized he like you could bring acting and storytelling yeah. to a martial arts movie. Yeah, they're really I mean, you're right. Most of the 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 other stuff on the landscape was just simple revenge. And yeah. they were always one person. It was never about a team. Yeah. And it's this takes all of that. I mean, I guess it's like the Karate Kid in that the the martial arts is demonstrative. It's not. Yeah. It's competitive rather than life yeah. or death. But but with the Karate Kid, why this movie kicked the Karate Kid's butt was that I felt these dudes could fight. Okay. So I felt like Philip Ree and Eric Roberts, which surprised me, could actually fight. Uh, whereas, like, I don't think there's anyone in the world. I don't think anyone watched the Karate Kid and thought, yo. Daniel LaRusso could actually fight. No one. He's the worst one. He's the he's the martial arts hero that I would say ninety eight percent of the population could be like, yeah, I could beat him up. I could fight him. Yeah. Um, is, that, just, is that the appeal of the movie? Do you think because he is like everybody was saying how you know it has to be a white kid learning from an Asian master oh. and he could take that knowledge and bring it to the West or sort of to a contemporary Western audience in the 80s. But maybe that's it. Maybe it's just like, yeah. oh, I could do that. Like, it's that yeah. simple. That, that, that you see yourself in him, that you could do it. Yeah. And then if you could beat him, it's even better. Yeah, it's an aspirational performance. Have you seen the new Karate Kid trailers? The Cobra Kai ones on YouTube? No, no. So YouTube and Jason I, Jason Belleville I heard this is, is, a thing. Is, yeah. is, on, is writing for it. Okay. And uh, it's a thing. And they released three trailers for it. And I... I went back last night and I watched all three because I watched every one as they came out. But then I watched the third one. I was like, wait. So it's a story between Daniel LaRusso and uh, Johnny as adults. And Johnny's reopening Cobra Kai dojos. And then when I watched the first one, it was pretty cool because it was just Daniel and Johnny coming together. I was like, cool. And then the second trailer was about Johnny and why he wants to open the Cobra Kai. And then I was like, wait, do I like... Yeah, this guy? I thought he was a bad person. Yeah. I remember him not being a good person. So then I watched the third trailer. And Daniel LaRusso makes a joke, because it's Daniel LaRusso, Johnny, and like some random dude. And then Johnny says, oh, and the, 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 the random guy says, hey, is this a guy's uh, ass you kicked? And Daniel's like, no, no, no. But I kicked him in the face. And I said right there, whoa, is Daniel the bad guy in this? Is Johnny this guy now trying to like years later... Uh, uh, kind of right the wrong yeah. of the Cobra Kai because, and, you know, and make it better while Daniel has been riding this high that he won these tournaments. If and you're going to give someone a redemption arc, that's a really interesting place to start. I, I, I'm trying to figure it out. And I, I think that if they, like, if they have the guts to do that, I, I'm blown away. Yeah. Because How I Met Your Mother years ago, Barney... I was going to say, because yeah. that's the kind of heel turn from an 80s kid actor that yeah. I was thinking of. <laughs> and, 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 and Barney Stinson's character truly believed that Johnny was the hero of the Karate Kid yeah. and that Daniel LaRusso was his bully. And Neil Patrick Harris, <laughs> child actor of the 80s, yeah. playing a monster. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I, so if we're talking about Karate Kid, like I, I, I'm very interested to see what they do because if they do it this way, it makes the, actually the show interesting because then it's not just a rehash. Yeah. Well, everybody, everything is coming back, right? Like everything Murphy from Brown, the 90s, Roseanne, Murphy Brown. Just let these people <laughs> let them retire. I mean, I know she's probably bored. Candace Bergen wants to work again. Yeah, I, 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 and I'm saying this from the vantage point of having just seen the new Tomb Raider. Yeah, where it's actually pretty good. They, well, the trailer looks great. They found a way to do it. They, yeah. they basically like they told Alicia Vikander that she could play a person instead of an action figure, and yeah. she invests her character with like the fear of death. 
Is it cool? Do, do you feel like it's going to be able to break? Like it's going to be able to like kind of, kind of, kind of hop into the mainstream? I mean, maybe. It's certainly the plan. Like that's yeah. they're marketing it as a huge movie that is a big action tentpole, and they want to make. They clearly want to make more. They set up a whole mythology for it. Yeah. And I just I sat in the screening room and thought, oh. Okay, Kristen Scott Thomas is in this. Okay, Derek Jacobi is in this. Yeah. How how are these people just... Nick Frost has two scenes and he's yeah. delightful. And Hannah John Kamen from Killjoys is in it yeah. for one scene. And like, I want more of that. Yeah. There's the potential to make a series here, but it's all based on a Lara Croft who gets cut and bloodied and bruised and isn't just, you know, uh, a bulletproof thing charging through the movie the way Jolie was. And no, and no disrespect to Angela no, Jolie. Yeah. That's, that's what they wanted to do yeah. with the movie. But this one is about a human scared person doing adventures. And with that, they sort of reconnect to the Indiana Jones thing where, you know, he gets beat up and he fails a lot. He's like, yeah. she doesn't yet know how to be a superhero. I think that's what they, they did with the, what I enjoyed with the Captain America series, hmm. because I felt like uh, when you spend time humanizing your heroes, you're so much more, like Christian Bale and Batman, you know, yeah. the third Batman, like he's, he's got a cane. That's right. He's got cartilage he's issues. old. You know, and I felt like, that to me is missing from the new DC movies, you know. And I think I think what we come down to in this conversation is a lot of the same things. Like if we humanize the characters, we show their flaws and we show their internal struggles, then us as an audience will connect. Yeah. Even with a Karate Kid, like if a kid can see themselves in in a in a Daniel Larusso, then they're like, oh, I'm connected to this movie. Yeah. But the minute they become too larger than life. Michael Scott put it best in The Office. Michael Scott was in that episode where he's a telemarketer, and he was like, John McClane, Die Hard 1, just a regular guy. Part 2, regular guy. And then so, and then 3, 4, 5, he, he's no longer a regular guy. Yeah, he's by no, the fifth one, he's like immune to radiation poisoning. It's, yeah, they're in Chernobyl yeah. with his son. And everybody's fine with it. How? How? <laughs> I saw it and I couldn't tell you. He jumped into a pool of water in Chernobyl. I just... If, like, there, there cannot be a, there cannot be a pool of water sitting, yeah. in that land that isn't contaminated. No, it's got to be bad for everybody. It's got to be for don't bad. they drive there in like an hour and a half from Moscow, which I'm sure isn't right. Oh, I'm sure that's not right. Yeah, yeah. I remember, I remember, like, I, I didn't understand the, I didn't understand his son. I couldn't understand that. Um, and then the Chernobyl thing just to me was like, oh, you wasted an amazing opportunity because it wasn't even over the top good. Because yeah. okay, if Fast and the Furious gave us Chernobyl. I think that would be amazing. Right. Like Vin Diesel is driving through a reactor. Ludacris has to kickstart the reactor right, exactly. for some sort of explosion, which will send the car far enough for Vin Diesel to go. I would just for the visual of it <laughs> popping out of that tower, it yeah. would be worth it. Yeah. So they didn't even have fun with it. If you're going to give us something so ridiculous, at least have fun with it. Yeah. Um, but then with with Robertson, best of the best, you do have him playing hurt, right? Which is the, yeah. the appeal to John McClane was. Terry Gilliam said he cast um, he cast Willis in in Twelve Monkeys because of the scene where he's picking glass out of his feet and he's oh. crying instead of just powering through it. Yeah, and he said that's like I want my hero to be human. I want to believe that he can be suffering. Yeah, and still like the whole point of being a hero is that you push forward. And so yeah, once I think it was the fourth one where they made him basically indestructible and nothing yeah. can happen to him. Well, Eric Roberts in Best of the Best at one point he hurts his shoulder. And spoiler alert: he hurts his shoulder in a fight, and I. I don't, I don't know what it's like to have hurt a shoulder or hurt a shoulder that's been surgically repaired, mm-hmm. but there's a point where, like, he the, the referee goes to touch it and he, like, winces in pain. Yeah. Just at, at, at even getting close. And he, like, 
he doesn't walk. That's right, it's anticipatory. He knows it's going to he hurt. He knows it's going to hurt. And he has to get back to the sideline. And and this is this was always an interesting acting choice. And I understand it now as as, as an actor and someone who understands pain now. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't stand up and walk over. He stood a bit and then like fell to the ground and crawled over. And now that I think about it, I'm like, he's in so much pain that his body's in shock. His body doesn't know how to get him over. Then Tommy Lee has to pump the shoulder and he's, he's, then the adrenaline kicks in. He wants to pump it and he doesn't want to stop fighting. And he says, I got, I got one minute left. I can finish this match. They tape up his shoulder. So yeah, I think if we're going to look at Eric Roberts as an amazing actor, go back to this, this movie that like, I think is just hidden. Like I haven't, I don't think I've seen it. Like you don't see it talked about. No, it's kind of fallen out. And the fact like that it was a franchise too. Yeah. Haven't really discussed that either. Well, Best of the Best 2, I remember when Best of the Best 2 came out, I was doing Taekwondo classes in Calgary, and I was so excited, so excited that it was coming out, and it didn't do a full theatrical run, and I was so yeah. sad, because I, I got the newspaper out, I was like, it's not playing, and I had found someone to take me, I'm like, Dad, it's not playing, and he's like, I don't know, and, and this is the time where like you just couldn't go online to figure it out. Like, oh, yeah. Could, no, the kids, they don't know this. They don't know the pain of yeah. knowing something is out there and having no way to get to it. There were, there were movies that were out or things that happened that you couldn't go see. Yeah. And, and, uh, and so then you had to wait that it maybe came out on VHS. Right, a you, year later. You didn't know. Yeah, and that's why I tell people now, like tell kids, I'm like, um, so Jumanji is playing in my hotel. Right. I was scrolling through. I'm like, Jumanji's in the hotel. It's be on airplanes by now, right? Oh, I'm sure it is. Last week. But Jumanji, so Jumanji came out December. Yeah, La- like late, late December, 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 which is right around yeah. when Star Wars came out again. Yeah, and so Star Wars. So that's only two months. Yeah, well, two and a bit. Yeah, no time has no meaning anymore. No it's, meaning it's, anymore. I I have explained. I have tried to explain this to my nieces, who the youngest one I think is is she nine or she's ten this year. She's eleven, mm-hmm. and she's never had to like wait for a tape to rewind, let alone yeah. wait for a movie to come out on disc. It's like no, they've they've always just been able to get whatever they want whenever they want. Yeah, but yeah, no, this was the these were the dark times. I would take yeah, like it would take ten months to a year for a movie to come out because they would play it out, they would roll it through. Well, like I remember a movie theater near my house always had these had these billboards like little like street signs yeah. and it said uh it would always list the movies that was leaving so as a kid i'd be like oh that movie's leaving theater dad can we go see that movie yeah you have to see it because i want to see it again for a year exactly star trek generations was the one <laughs> star trek generations like where they're, they're taking out the theater I'm like no I, I gotta see it one more time <laughs> um so I, saw movie, I saw the movie like six times in the theater and so it, it really has changed um <sighs> I, I always ask my wife this question, like, what's the one thing you miss about our childhood? And I'll always say video stores. Yeah. I will always say, and I was sitting in New York maybe two years ago, we were eating a slice of pizza, and there's this pizza parlor where maybe like, uh, you know, 10 feet of space was this little movie store. It was odd. And a guy working at a little desk, and they had like like walls like what we're in right now, and it's, it's just a lot of shelving. Really? And uh, a kid ran in before his dad, and a kid ran up and was looking at the wall and like picked the movie out and gave it to the dad. And dad's like, okay, and gave it to the guy. And he rented a movie, and I I in a pizza parlor. in a pizza parlor, and I I I carry that image with me because I have two little boys. I have a four year old and a one year old, and I'm sad that we will never have a Friday night where we go to the video store and commit to a movie. Yeah. Because with Netflix now, sometimes we'll be cruising through and I'll put on a thing and like, we put on, we put on a, 
not Coco. It's another one that's like uh, a Cinco de Mayo themed cartoon. Oh, uh, the Book of Life, that one? No, no, it had Channing Tatum's in it. Uh, 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 I can't remember. Um, but it's a cartoon. Okay. And uh, I put it on maybe like five minutes in, and I'm invested in it. I like it. Like, my son's like, uh, you watch something else. And I was bummed because I'm like, you know, when I was a kid, you you got something. This was it. That's right. Like you couldn't because then your mom or dad would be like, "I paid two ninety five to rent this. Right. You're watching it. Plus, it's the only option. It's the house, only right? option. So there was a a little mini documentary on Alaska Alaskan blockbusters because they still exist. Okay, and they were interviewing um, people who were in there. And and the reason why block, blockbusters in Alaska still exist is because high, high speed internet. I was gonna say it's got to be the infrastructure. Yeah, yeah. They're like, yeah, we have internet, but it's like you can't stream a movie, so blockbusters up there are, are crushing it. Um, That's good. Yeah, I, I mean, I worked in a video store in the, in the mid '80s when I was in high. In, no, when I was in university. Yeah. And it's that was my film school more than actual film school. Yeah. Uh, you just you would, we would work like the midnight shift in, in the summer because there was a time when video stores were not only around but they were open 24 hours in case yeah. people came in at 2 a.m. Yeah. Um, and somebody always did. And we would watch like three or four movies. We ran a whole bunch. This was 88, 89. So we did watch a couple of like we had action movie triple features and stuff. Whatever was available. You just yeah. gorge on it. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's how the best of the best movies continued because the three and four never made it to theaters. No, not I mean, at all. Maybe one grindhouse somewhere in L.A. Like <sighs> Out of a, some kind of contractual obligation. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be playing in theaters, right? Sure it is. Give yeah. us, you know, here's 10% of the budget. Oh, man. Yeah. Those I, are not good movies. No, they're not. 3 and 4 is so bad. Because 3 and 4 try to become what? 3 and 4 never revealed the, the, the human struggle of the characters. Yeah. And so it went back to the formula of, like, I think in part 3... Part one of them turned into like a straight up action movie with people shooting at each other. Yeah, like he's guns. Oh, three and four is guns. But three, I think, loosely resembles Walking Tall with The Rock. Okay. And so I think Philip Reed goes to a small town where his family is or something, and there's a shady sheriff and possibly drugs or something happening, and he feels like he has to intervene, Mm -hmm. which is the, the premise to. Uh, walking Tall. Sure, and most, you know, like, half the Seagal movies are the same way, like, that was yeah. it's just a template thing, right? Chuck yeah. Norris movies are always like that. They're always like that. Silent and, Rage. And, and and part three and four don't have Eric Roberts. Right. So, I think uh, once you lose the actor, then it becomes this action movie, because there's no, there's no, uh, there's, like, no morals to the story anymore. Right. Um, and, like, through this conversation, I, I'm really looking back at Eric Roberts and I'm, like, really thinking highly of him now. Oh, yeah. Because, uh, you know, the last thing I can recall seeing him in was uh, he played uh, Eddie Eddie Falcone in, in Dark Knight. That's right, yeah. He you was know? in... He's doing a lot of DTV stuff these days. Like, he's the voice of the cat in a talking cat and it just sounds like he recorded the audio in his bathroom. <laughs> it's just, you know, he's going where the money is or where the work is. I wish... Is Eric Roberts capable of a Van Damme turn right now where Van Damme became... Ironic, like I when wonder. He, I don't know that he would want to. Like Van Dam, I'm not even sure Van Dam understood it when it happened in JCVD, right? Because he went straight back to generic bad guy and and action movies in the Expendables, in Expendables, in the Expendables two. yeah. What was his name? Expendables, Jean Villain. That's right. <laughs> he's the villain, villain. Jean Villain. I mean, you have to give somebody credit for that. <laughs> yeah, Stallone. Yeah, Stallone. And FYI, if you're listening to this, Stallone is coming to Toronto for the Wealth Expo. No, I what saw is that? that? Subway. Why is his hand so large? To see the muscles. 
and so his his his, his session muscles. it's called the wealth expo it's him and like pitbull, pitbull right? alex rodriguez a bunch and, of people i don't know but people, apparently have high followings on social media and i'm like so so what is stallone gonna tell me like i he's called his his, his session's called knockout strategies and i'm like is is he gonna talk about hard rock cafes like yeah. what i assume like he has some kind of i mean because like schwarzenegger the two of them were really smart about investing they were and they got to do whatever they wanted because of that because they could you know, they didn't have to work for the money. Yeah. And in film, because they had real estate empires or whatever else. I just, I, I want somebody to ask him, and no one ever will. I will if I ever get the chance to meet him. It's like, yeah. if you're so powerful and successful, why haven't you made your Edgar Allan Poe movie that you've been talking about for 35 years? Oh, okay. Come on, dude. Make yeah. your money. Make your movie. Do it. <laughs> Remember the movie he made in the early 90s? Um, Quote the Raven. Sorry. Uh, what was the one where he, he played Oscar? Oh, God, yes. Yes. I saw that theatrically. You, you saw that theatrically? There was one laugh. <laughs> that would be so bad. It was fascinating. I saw it with 500 people at a press screen, or like a preview screening, a Wednesday night screening, free tickets on the radio. Everybody yeah. goes, they invite the press. And there is one moment in the entire film where the audience laughed. And it's the, uh, oh, I can't even remember what it is. It's some joke about, uh, oh, it's it's Tim Curry taking this amazing pause. Yeah. Um, when, when Stallone is supposed to, his character name, Mr. Provolone. Yeah. Automatically funny, right? Yeah, yes. Uh, Don, Don Provolone. Don Provolone. Yeah. He produces something that's, or it's a briefcase or something that's supposed to be money, but there's yes. not money in it. Yes. And Tim Curry takes this amazing pause and then says, yes, that is an awful lot of money, Mr. Provolone. <laughs> and the whole room laughed, and it was the laugh of, thank Christ, there's something we can laugh well, at. Well, thank God you have Tim Curry yeah. in the movie to save oh, this. Oh, God, that was atrocious. Well, he, try, he tried to make, he tried to like, so he did Rocky Five, and then, yep. he's, and then he tried to like, he did Stop or Mom Will Shoot, Oscar, and then he said, then he realized, okay, this is going to work, and then he made Cliffhanger. <laughs> right. And Demolition um, Man, too, right? Demolition. Like, those are in that same window, and Demolition Man is really good. Demolition Man... I, I watched so that's another movie now 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 we're opening the can of worms. Oh, I really ahead. enjoy that movie. Um, for for it was ve- it was it, it, I don't want to use ahead of its time because I, I think I think I don't I don't I don't want to give Demolition Man that yeah. type of credit. Well, it's got Dennis Leary in it doing his thing from MTV, so it's like exactly of its time, yeah, it's perfectly of the moment, yeah. But it's so not bad. It's so not bad, and there's there's a bit with the three seashells, yep. with Rob Schneider, and I always thought that was really funny because. It's clearly them laughing at the future, and the future will somehow make this a thing. Um, but I, I quite enjoyed that movie, Demolition sure. Man. I, I also enjoy Judge Dredd, and he made Dredd around the same time, yeah, maybe a year I, later. I, with Schneider again, right? Like, they just went to the next set, I think, together. Oh, man. I remember being strangely happy with that one, too. Mostly because yeah. Armand Sante got his face right. Like, remember this Yeah, where they're supposed to... He's his secret clone or something? Yes. And it turns out that that's why Armand Sante has been doing this thing with his face from his mouth for the yes. entire movie. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta give people credit when they pull that stuff off. Yeah. And, 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 and Armand Sante, like, I don't think he... I don't think he gets the credit he deserves. Like he had some very good performances, yeah. but he's not in the mainstream of 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 what we of what we of North American cinema. Yeah, he was like too dashing for he was too he was too good looking to be yeah an American leading man. Yeah, so they kind of shoved him to the side. Isn't he? It's him in Mambo Kings, right? With uh, yeah, that's him. It's yeah. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's him. that's like a perfect performance. I think that's the one I go to. That's the one I go to where if like like if I if I was like I was a kid when I saw it, but like see, understanding it now, I'm like. In my mind, I'm like, why is that guy not? Yeah, he should be in everything. He's so good. Uh, but, but but Stallone, Stallone, yeah, Oscar was so bad. I still bear the scars from that. 
I can't believe you meant you're saying that you saw that in a theater. Oh, I'm yeah. just like, I'm kind of sad. I'm like, oh, you, you have to, I, I think I saw that movie on Laserdisc. I remember at one point you had to flip the Laserdisc oh, over, yeah. right? Yeah, you got an hour on a side at best. Yeah. And so, um, but the quality was unreal. Yeah. At uh, the time, right? Well, it was at the time it would have been VHS, Laserdisc, or VCD yeah, out of those Asia. Terrible. But those are so terrible. Because, um, you know, like it, it's the equivalent of like getting a bootleg DVD from Asia now. Yeah. Still the same. Um, but yeah, Laserdisc. And, and, and uh, yeah, I saw Oscar on Laserdisc. My dad was going through this phase of Laserdisc movies. I don't think we have anymore, but I'm always interested to see what people keep and why they keep them. Because I still have, I've, you know, I've purged my DVD and CD collection and, 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 and Blu-ray collection. Mm-hmm. But I keep certain ones for those reasons. And I try to think like, what, what why do we keep what we keep? Right. Um, I keep everything. You keep everything. You I try to. I mean, that's no. I mean, I get. I, there's some stuff that I just won't. I basically, I'll, I'll, yeah. And and we're surrounded by Blu-rays, DVDs, Laserdiscs, and, and there's a few videotapes in that chest there. Yeah. Uh, just because I'm convinced that like physical media is the one thing that will never go away. I mean, literally, physically, it's here in the room with me. If I, mm-hmm. if the the internet goes down, or if I need something in a hurry, I can always just know that it's right here. Mm-hmm. And as long as there's power, I can play it yeah. and watch it and I'm also just compulsive enough to want things that I know I may never get again and mm. you know as we're seeing as, as happened with Best of the Best in, in Canada you can't find it no. if you go looking for it the DVD I was checking this uh, the DVD is there's used discs for sale on Amazon for like a hundred you know the, the, yeah. the fake asking price they yeah. do to figure out if there's a market for it um, but you can buy it in the States for ten bucks yeah but if that just that to me is a perfect example of I can't run out to the store and buy it now if I need yeah. it and it's not on iTunes and it's not I mean it's on YouTube it turns yeah. out but there's no legitimate way of getting it in Canada well it's interesting because like I, I walk into a room like this and we're in a we're, for the for listeners we're in a room right now like a little studio space with like uh, 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 bookcases of DVDs and Blu-rays and, and Laserdisc and VHS's and so I walked in there's appreciation because I collect sneakers okay and so um I have a place like a room like this about 400 pairs of sneakers all lined up and I recently tried to go through and sell some but it's hard because mm-hmm. I'm like oh I can't get this shoe anymore or I remember I got the shoe for this reason uh, or uh, this summer I every time I came home to Calgary I kept bringing home a pair of Steve Nash Air Max 90s and, and my wife's like why do you you have like eight pairs of this shoe so and this I'm, is the same style same shoe and I'm like yeah because you can't buy it anymore and it was only released in Canada in two stores, and I have eight pairs of them. There's probably only 120 pairs released of this shoe in those two stores. I have 10% of the stock. <laughs> um, and I, whenever I see it come up, I always grab it because people kind of devalue it now. Like it's like it's it's not it's not Steve Nash is not in our mainstream of, of, of current sneaker culture. Yeah, yeah. And so I always grab it. So I, I think there I, I like tangible things. And I, I recently grabbed um, a. Uh, for last year, I bought a Polaroid camera, oh. uh, and I bought I bought I bought it because um, my son. Now that when we take a photo, he'll he's like, can I? I take the photo. He's like, can I pull it out? And it comes out, and he likes to pull it out, and he sits on the couch and looks at it. Yeah. And then he looks up and says, "Dad, it's coming." Yeah, I remember that. That's such a a a a wonderful something wonderful to teach a child. The idea of waiting for something. Yeah. Because I think that the world's going to give him everything immediately. But if you can teach someone a little patience, you know, um, the idea of just sitting and 
being yourself, being normal for like 10 minutes. And I, I, I'm not sure I was, I was like, I, I wasn't sure it was helping or, or doing anything until we went to recently went to go see um, Trolls in the movie theater. They, uh, Cineplex does a oh. $1.99, $2.99 family Saturday event. I right. love it. You're, if you're listening, Cineplex, that's a gl- glorious idea. But he had to sit through like 10 minutes of trailers, 15 minutes of trailers, and he sat through it, right? Then we went back a following week later. Have you seen Peter Rabbit? No, not yet. See Peter Rabbit. I Rabbit was telling me that it was so much smarter than uh, than he thought it was going to be. Well, I was excited because because Nico Nico saw the trailer to Peter Rabbit. I was like, Dad, can we see Peter Rabbit? I'm like, I'd love to, man. You know, the fact that he's getting into like movies now, right. not just cartoons. So we sit we sit in the, for the trailer. We sit through the opening trivia. There's like 20 minutes, and he's a champ. And then Peter Rabbit starts, and the first scene is Peter's trying to get into Mr. McGregor's yard. My son looks over to me. He's like, Dad, can we go? I'm scared. I'm like, why? What, what's going on? He's like, Mr. McGregor's going to eat Peter Rabbit. I can't watch. And I was like, no, no, no. He's fine. He's fine. He's like, no, Dad, can we go? Uh, so, the, so this idea of the instant world, because he thinks we just go to another movie theater. So we left the theater. He's like, what movie are we going to watch now? And I'm like, nope. This is it, man. That was your decision. We're going home now. Uh, to the credit of Cineplex, they gave us back our passes. Okay. And two new passes because I think they thought something went wrong. Oh, like it was their fault. And when I just, I really should just blame it on my child. The film has traumatized my child. Yeah. I must leave now. Yeah. Um, but I'm trying to teach him those values. And and Best of the Best is a movie, like I think of movies I need to show my child. Mm-hmm. And that is a movie I want to show him. You know, when he's seven or eight or nine, I do want to show it to him because I think it will, I hope it will inspire him narratively with stories. And I use that word narratively a lot because so much of my improv, what I think is successful with my work has been narrative. I always like I always want my characters to have flaws. I always want them to have like purposes on stage. And I think sometimes, well not oftentimes in improvisation, you watch something and it's funny, but you don't remember anything with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I've had I've had those experiences where the you know, like there's an individual beat that gets a laugh, but yeah. it just blows past to the next thing and I, I i work a lot with high school students for with improv and i always talk about what's the story you want to tell you know hmm. um versus what's the joke you want to make and i always say stories stories that are stories that are connected that are are relatable can get gut laughs whereas jokes can get giggles right and so i always teach students to fight for the narrative um and so I, I hope my hope my career can continue like on a show like Kim's Convenience there's a narrative I think we're, they're, they're, we're trying to do and so I, I hope that you know especially with someone like Paul who you've had on the podcast um, hope we continue to tell those stories yeah so is the third season happening I mean, is it actually has there been a renewal yet uh, as, of, as of this date today has yeah. not been I, oh, I, I was on CBC radio yesterday and we were it's like it was like Gavin Crawford's new show and uh, we were talking about the pandas going to Calgary, and I said, "Oh, they, the zoo asked me to host that event, but I couldn't do it." And as I said it, and I looked at the audience, I said, "Because I am doing something which hasn't been announced." <laughs> and I just stood back. Um, so I, I always tell people, uh, you know, I say, I say, I, I have great faith in, in CBC, and I have faith in storytelling, and I think people will be really happy. But Paul, Paul's gets a Paul. Oh man, when. I feel like this might become like a bromance on Paul, how much how much we love him. <laughs> but whenever I talk to Paul, I'm like, yo, man, how many times have you been asked today? He's like, 10 times. <laughs> People ask me all the time. 
to the point where like his wife told me the other day he can't go to no frills anymore yes i he told me that story <laughs> he's like that story he yeah. can't go so actually no i think he told kate that story out of uh, all they were over here for a christmas party and yeah like this is like the best thing about this show is that i have i've now built like because these conversations are bonding experiences yeah like whether or not they're intended to be yeah if, the, if it goes well it's a lot of fun yeah and paul and i have become friends like outside yeah. of work which is so great yeah. and, and delightful and i love that he has become this successful mm-hmm. in spite of his own comfort level like yeah. i'm actually okay with him being uncomfortable because it means <laughs> people know who he is well so but yeah I, the no frill story i'm sorry I, I, I don't, well, out of the cast um you know paul gene simu nicole andrea I think that I, I look the most like the guy I play. Mm. I talk like him. I walk like him. I'm him. And so I, I, I share with Paul. Paul and I will talk. And I'm like, I can't go to Costco anymore. Yeah. Because it's, it's like, it just, people come out and, it, and it's great. It is, Everyone's right? Because so it great. means people are watching, but yeah. it also means that you give up a portion of yourself. Yeah. And I'm the type of guy that like, I, 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 I'm just so grateful for, for people watching my work. So I stop and talk to you. My son, my four-year-old, is so over it. We're at a mall. <laughs> Someone stops me, and Nico's like, grabs my dad, let's go. Like, he just wants to go to wherever we were going. Um, and so uh, we, we, it's this interesting time now where, like, you know, the, the, the public has really got onto the show, which is great. Mm-hmm. But I, I find it funny now when, we're, when there are two of us together, it's, it's just like, it's like next level. Yeah. It's like, you know, when Paul and I were together in, in, in Saskatoon, in Saskatoon of all places, we already stuck out because we're two Asian guys in Saskatoon during the Canadian Country Music Awards. Oh, so, you, right. so you don't know we're a Canadian country duo. Oh, there's a, this is a great story. We get off. We get off the plane that we flew from Toronto to Saskatoon. Ron McLean's on our plane. Okay. Adrian Arsenault, like all the big CBC people. But Ron McLean gets off the plane. He's got a cowboy hat. I'm walking with Paul, and Paul says, "I gotta say hi to Ron McLean. If I don't, I'll <laughs> kick myself." I was like, "Hey, let's go say hi to Ron McLean." Hey, Mr. Hi, hi, Mr. McLean. Nice to meet you. He looks at us like, who are these guys? And then uh, and he's like, oh, I'm here for the Canadian Country Music Awards. And Paul says, us as well. You're watching Ron McLean's gears just go, who are these guys? And then uh, and then Paul says, yeah, we're, we're presenting an award tonight. Uh, and then Ron McLean just looks at us again like, who, who are you? And I think in his head, he thought we were like, some sort of Canadian country duo. Yeah. This Asian duo of country that, that is taking the world by storm. And then he's like, what award? And Paul says, album of the year. <laughs> he just like has no clue. He's done. He's just like, I got no clue you are. Uh, and then uh, and then, and then he asked us where we're staying. And we told him this. He's like, are you staying at the Castle Hotel, which is the nice hotel in Saskatoon? It's, it, it's the nicest one. And we're like, oh, no, we're not. We're not. <laughs> Uh, so that, that night at the Country Music Awards, after we presented, we walk off the stage, he stands up and says, now I know who you are. Right. And like goes up and shakes Paul's hand and my hand. But it was, it was, very, it's, it, it was very nice being in Saskatoon, but I, 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 love, I love people's stories. It's, 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 it's great, but it's definitely changed like, how I approach just going out to things. Yeah. Um, sure, I have to. I, I, think it, I think it does, and I, I, I try to be very... Uh, I try to be very conscious of it like i try to be i try to make sure to always stop and talk to people because i think i think that's important for 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 for, for me it's important for them i think it's important for our canadian culture that we that we are able to 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 embrace fans 
Um, but you do have to start building time in, right? Like it's, I do, it's like, a thing that happens. Like, you know, I'd go to Costco to get cake for my son, uh, my son's birthday. So I'm like, I got to be there at 10 a.m. I got to be there when they open. So I get, go in and out. If I go at three o'clock, I, I, I'm, I'm going to lose half an hour talking to people. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's and, the stuff that nobody thinks about, but that just comes with any kind of visibility. It's not even necessarily success, right? Because it can just be... It's just visibility. A connection to something. Yeah, you're right. Visibility. And, and, and I, I think... In Calgary, especially because I'm like a hometown kid, um, my career, people have seen my career evolve mm-hmm. in Calgary from being an improviser to an MC to this national scale. Uh, a lot of people just want to share like stories of times they've come to my improv shows or they say things like, oh, we saw you host the Calgary Stampede. Well, that's nice because they know you're more than one thing. Yeah. Right? Yeah. As opposed to, I have seen you in my house and I can't figure out where. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Which is the standard TV face. <laughs> I've, I've, like, I've done... TV hits and the next hour people will just sort of look at you sideways for five seconds yeah. and it passes immediately for me because I'm not someone that they recognize yeah. they just vaguely recognize yeah. you guys are in their homes every week yeah we're in their homes every week 13 weeks at a time 13 weeks at a time it's really it's really nice it's really quite nice and, and I, I think um, like the Canadian Screen Awards were this week and just the idea like I'm in rooms with people that I look up to so much and uh I, I'm a student of com like much like you're a student of film. Mm-hmm. I'm a student of comedy, so I, I love watching and understanding why things are funny, why things work. And uh, now, when I'm in rooms with people that I respect, it just blows me away. It blows me away. Like you know, Brent Butt. I introduced Brent Butt the other night, and he came out and he said, "Give a round of applause for Andrew Fung. What a, what an MC!" I just was like blown away by that because here's this guy hardworking, you know, he's come up from, come up for nothing, created one of Canada's biggest sitcoms, yeah, and he's yeah. doing his thing. It blows me away that, that, that I get that opportunity. Or, or like I said earlier, to be in a nominated acting category with Dan Aykroyd, you know, was pretty, pretty, like Ghostbusters and Paul, so, have you and Paul nerded out about his proton packs? Oh and, yeah, I've seen them. Yeah. So, that's not true. I've seen the videos. I haven't videos? actually seen the machinery. Kim's Convenience audition, I get brought in for the final callback audition and uh, I do my scene with Paul. And and I think, you know, I like to say that I was different than any person they had auditioned for the kimchi, but I, as an improviser, I like to mess around sometimes. So I did it twice. I did it with Paul. I did it with Simu. But Paul, especially, we had a little bit of fun. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, he comes and finds me in another room. He says, hey man, who are you? We meet up. Adds me on Facebook. And that night, he finds this video that I posted maybe a year earlier of me and the proton pack I had built. Because <laughs> one summer, I said, screw it. I want to do something that is so different. And I was like, I've always wanted a proton pack. I am going to build one. So he's like, dude, what is this? And I just wrote him back. I'm like, here's where I went. Here's the forums I went to. Here's what it cost me. And so... So you started it. I, I, I didn't start it. I think I enabled him. <laughs> we enable each other uh, because we're always like, treat yourself. We always say treat yourself to whatever we want. So there's a shoe I really wanted and it was a dumb price. And Paul's wrote me, he's like, treat yourself. you got to get it. Um, and, 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 and we very much bond that way because we're like both these nerdy nerdy people so much the fact that back to the future is reuniting in calgary yeah at the at the, at the oh afternoon. that's right yeah it's i i was blown away at the news and so i pulled out my nike mag shoes my jacket and i said paul dude they're reuniting and 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 you gotta come and he and, he, and he's like oh, i'll try i think a week later he was at the actual awards and he was bidding up a a a, a, a um 
an auction package for a trip to, to, to Fan Expo. And it, it bidding got it to like $10,000. And his wife was like, no, you're not bidding anymore. <laughs> and so Paul was out, but then I wrote him like, you know what, trip to Calgary is 500 right? So hopefully he gets to come out and hang out with me and Calgary and we get to see Back to the Future yeah, that'd reunite. Be great. That'd be great. You know, and I, I said earlier, like, that's a movie that, like, I thought about putting in, but it's so, it is quite easy. And I don't think, like, I think Back to the Future is pretty groundbreaking for, for a lot of young people. But in an odd way, not as much as Best of the Best. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's all about what you resonate with, right? What yeah. responds, what you respond to. Yeah. And, and maybe even now, like, I, 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 I think sometimes we behave in ways we don't even know. But just like this moment right now hit me. Did I connect to the best of the best because there was an Asian lead? Well, I mean, it's a reasonable con- uh, question, right? Philip Ree, Asian lead, who had an accent, but he didn't He didn't have to do an accent. It was just his accent. But the story wasn't about him being Asian. Like, mm-hmm. him being Asian was just his character. Like, that's just who he is. His brother was Asian, that was it. But it had nothing to do with the story. So it's more about what he can do within the world of the film. Yeah. Without necessarily identifying. I think so. And, it, like... he just to me was the best martial artist he was the most human out of everybody and they really created a character I could get behind so maybe now I'm like thinking about him like did I watch best of the best a hundred times because I saw myself in him yeah and is there anything wrong with that I mean that's ideally I like I would hope he would be happy to hear that that yeah it would be that the point of well I mean that we're, we're in this right now as a culture with the whole question of representation and diversity and inclusion writers Coming out of Black Panther, my first response is how great it must be right now to be a kid of any gender, any race, yeah. because you can find someone. You can see yourself. I mean, I'm I'm a white kid in the 70s and 80s. I'm seeing myself all the time. Yeah. Everything was pointed at me. Yeah. Um, it You know, I'm Jewish, but that really didn't make a big deal. Yeah. Um, and if we had Woody Allen movies for that. Yeah. Uh, but but <clears throat> now, like the Fast and the Furious films being aggressively diverse, yeah. which is fantastic yeah. in a way that never calls attention to any of it. It's just there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, if you were, if you were Asian, if you were a black kid in the eighties, all you really had were action heroes yeah. and villains. Yeah. And yeah, I can, I'm sure that was part of it, whether it was conscious or not, just to be able to to have someone who wasn't yeah. evil. He wasn't evil, and like the, the 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 Koreans were the bad guys, but they weren't even bad because the, the way the movies put together, it's not like it's not necessarily good versus bad. It's just people versus people. Yeah, it's a competition. It's a competition, which is which is weird for. I mean, even in Karate Kid, the bad guys are bad. Like, yeah, the, the opposition is bad. Yeah, and this is really not about that. It's yeah, it's not. It's more about rivalry than anything. But we're in a place now where kids can just watch anything and find themselves hopefully like two years from now it'll be even better ten years from now yeah kids yeah and like you know boys and girls can watch themselves down and see, see something up there and that's really cool and I think I think, I think that's always a comment that strikes me really 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 t- at heart with Kim's like I, I get teachers messaging me saying like you know like we show our class and and these kids see themselves in you and that's that's really wild to me like I'm really proud knowing that my my sons can will be able to watch television, and 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 see themselves. And I always see themselves isn't just like people who look like them. Because like for me, you know, maybe like Philip Reed did look like me. But just like I think when you see a variety of things up on screen, mm-hmm. and and so this idea of representation isn't just like like I think there's movements for more women representation, people of color, but also abilities and disabilities. Yeah, you know? yeah. like seeing that. Um, 
That's why I was always so bummed when Oscar Pistorius turned out to be such a terrible person. Because <laughs> I'm like, oh man, f- finally, finally there was somebody. Yeah. And it didn't work out. No. There's a great uh, SNL Jason Sudeikis sketch where they were spoofing the Carnival Cruise Line that was stuck on the water for like a month. Oh yeah. And Jason's like, hey, hey y'all, you remember the Blade Runner? Well, <laughs> nope. Like, <laughs> like, <laughs> so, you know, I, I, I'm so happy when, 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 we, when, we, when we better represent our, our, ourselves as a society. And I hope going forward with films that that we get to continue that because mm-hmm. you're saying it's a really cool f- feeling and and uh what's the name of the gentleman in, in the big sick uh, oh command on yeah he had a great quote the other day where he's like he's like you know to all the fragile dudes who are like worried about you know uh, who to look up to when i watched movies as a kid i did see myself in like white dudes yeah so you can see yourself in people of color and in women right yeah, it's, um, I, I, it's not that hard. No, <laughs> like, it's it not isn't. that hard to empathize. That's the, the thing that the thing that's so weird about all of this is the hostility being driven towards the idea of other people who aren't me having their own yeah. movies, having their like. Not everything is for. Not everything should be for everyone. Mm-hmm. And the idea that you need. I mean, okay, with Captain America, it kind of has to be a white guy. Yeah, that's the deal. Yeah, but that's from the forties. And you can have more modern stuff. You can mm-hmm. have different interpretations. You can also just watch a movie about people who aren't you, and maybe you can understand some other story. Like it's not. I, I God, I watch documentaries all the time. I watch yeah. I watch movies made by people <clears throat> I don't know about places I've never been. And that's great. what they're for. That's what they're for yeah, I love documentaries in Detroit because I, I I don't live there. Mm-hmm. I would like to go there and see it. It's not my world. And I was always surprised on when. Idris Elba, there's so much backlash of him playing Bond. Oh, Jesus, yeah. And I was like, okay, so the complaint about the Bond movies is they become stale after the first one the new person does. They often kind of go down after that, and they hit a renaissance later. The filmmakers get nervous. They go back to what worked before. And so if you want new things and new storytelling and you want things that are refreshing, then you need to put new people up. And I would challenge anyone to question Idris Elba's acting abilities. Oh, yeah. You know? And so I, I'm always I'm just so surprised on 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 people who have like these strong opinions of why something shouldn't be changed. Yeah. Um, like my concern with Elba playing Bond is that by the time the conversation came around, it's like, well, he's in his forties; he's going to get too old too fast. Yeah. Like you're looking at a Roger Moore situation where, you know, yeah. and, and Moore was like, it's a very different performance. Obviously, yeah. I don't think Elba would be as campy as Moore, but. He got old, and they kept making the movies. More got old. Yeah, and it's really it's it doesn't help anybody. It doesn't serve anyone. This is so off topic, but who is your favorite Bond? I think I honestly think I'm down with Craig. Craig. Like, I think there's a there's an anger and a yeah. physicality to him that I just like the fact that and maybe it's simply that the movies are smart enough now, like we're it's sophisticated better. as an audience as an audience. Yeah, the movies are definitely better. But they're like in Skyfall after he gets shot in the chest and he plays hurt and fights with his legs for the rest of the movie. Yeah. That's amazing. Like they're yeah. they're thinking about how this would happen. But I like Dalton a lot. And well, see, Connery's that, that, great. That's too. what I'm gonna say, Dalton. Yeah. Because I went back and rewatched uh, Living Daylights and uh, A View to a Kill. Oh uh, no! The license, license to kill. kill. License yeah. to kill. License to kill. That's right. With Benicio del Toro. Yeah. The the uh, the the villain has killed his partner. No, killed his wife. No, it's, and the partner. Uh, Felix later has been fed to sharks, but he isn't dead. Yeah, right? he's like, not he's dead. The wife is dead. Right. Um, and I thought Dalton did a really good. So I went back and rewatched Dalton's performances, and 
and uh, I, I think I th- I don't think he got the fair shake because you know he was a good Bond in bad movies like because they were still making more movies yeah they're still making more movies so I wonder what what he could have done in a Brosnan movie because yeah. Brosnan had the better effects the better timing and it, it had been like six years yeah between yeah. the two it's the, the longest gap right it might be longer than the same gap between. Like is Brosnan isolated by like twelve years on either, tw- six on either side or something? But yeah. he's the one who is yeah separate. Yeah, he's the one that separates it all. And so I, I, I find that like yeah like I I I feel for him because I think Dalton's a very good actor, and and he didn't quite get the fair shake at all. Yeah. But now yeah we're talking about Bonds and like you know like I, there was a there I jokingly said I'd love to see John Cho as a Bond. Sure. And we're like really? And I'm like it'd be different. Like I, I I I like when movies are 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 you know try these th- try things out to tell different stories because that at the core is what you should be trying to do, and especially with a Bond franchise with so many films, and that's the fear of a Fast and the Furious. Like I hope they don't get stuck telling the same story. Right, and they might be. I think they need to go to space now. I mean, there's like <laughs> Skylab or something. There's no other. They've yeah. done everything. They have done everything. They, they had a submarine fight. They have, yeah, <laughs> they, they always try to find to make things bigger and badder. I don't know. I would take a Furious movie that was a little more down to earth. Yeah. So like, like they did with the Bond film, like Free Your Eyes Only, where he's really just removed from most things and just has to work it. Because that was the big deal. Like after Moonraker, they, yeah. they contracted after the expand after they overreached. They wow, pulled back. Moonraker was a big reach, hey? Yeah. yeah. Like a new society in space. I mean, it is a reasonable sci-fi premise, but not for a Bond movie. And and yeah. I wonder like. The, the only real objection that I've heard to Elba, the only one that made credible sense, yeah. it's still race-based, yeah. but it's the argument that James Bond is a code name that's passed down, and the agents, they get killed, and they just, the next guy is Bond. Yeah. And then they kind of punctured that in, I think it was in Skyfall or something, you see his birth certificate and it says James Bond or whatever. Oh, yeah. But the argument then has to be that it's always a white guy because... James Bond has always been a white guy. That's the only in-universe explanation that doesn't sound like an, a knee-jerk racial defense, but it is also that thing where you've OCD'd this so many different ways that this yeah. is the only answer. Or comedically, you could have a situation where MI6 is like in a room and it's like, all right, Bond is dead. Who do we got? And it's like, oh, hey, boss, like all the James Bonds? Like, yeah. Just a black guy left. It's we're like, out, what? We're out there's, of white bonds. There's no white bonds. Yeah, we killed them all. Like, yeah, we, had a rough, we had a rough couple years. And you go through all these bonds that have just been killed in the field. Yeah. Um, okay, what's his bonds qualification? That he has amazing qualifications. Yeah, but he's black, right? It's like, yeah, but he's amazing. At, I think they kind of a very, yeah. a, a really fun time. It's like a Mitchell and Webb sketch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like, you know, I, I, we've talked about this Cobra Kai and how if we look at comedy, I like when you take a premise and you just look at it from a different angle mm-hmm. and uh, and you just you, you, you just point out the obvious. So that Tim Curry bit you're talking about is 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 is, 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 is so subtle. It's subtle, but so funny. Uh, he's like, he has one or two choices. One yeah. to, to, call, to say like, hey man, there's no money. Or one to be like, or to go along with it, right? <coughs> yeah, this um, huge cartoon expression. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Tim Curry's underrated in the film Oscar. No, he's underrated in everything. Oh, he is underrated in everything. Yeah. Um, and, and uh, 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 you know, we look at someone like Tim Curry, it will be a shame when, uh, when future generations don't get to have someone like him. In, in work because like his you know his his, his career is coming down to an end and, sure, yeah. and he's he's getting much older now and so um, yeah I, I I you know we talked about this earlier like 
there's a fear that like we are we are we are glued to like a Netflix system mm-hmm. where if that if Netflix doesn't carry that film we won't get a chance to enjoy it right it disappears it disappears because how why would you what's the view rate on a film like Oscar like I imagine in the world four four a four. year yeah four, four it's viewed four times a year um, but like it's a shame that certain generally people, on a dare on a, on a dare or like what the hell is this? this yeah this. what is this or someone just loves that movie yeah it's, every movie ever made is somebody's favorite movie that's yeah. the weirdest thing oh wow I've it's never just, thought about that I mean maybe it's the person who made it but it's just the way it works right everybody hates one thing that nobody else hates everybody loves one thing nobody else loves it must must work out I made a movie in 2009 with my best friends um, feature length movie there's five of us that made it it's called Sketch it it premiered at the Calgary Film Festival at Edmonton Film Festival sold out screenings L- didn't go further than that yeah. but we made a movie and it was on YouTube up until like a month ago we had put it up just to share it and we'd all moved on in our careers and one guy wrote and was like hey guys we should take this movie down it, it hasn't held up well <laughs> and we all just joke we're like yeah we made it for like a thousand dollars of course it hasn't and then and then everyone agreed and I wrote I'm like no but it's <laughs> it's our movie like I love it I love this movie I made we made it I love it they're like Andrew you have 30 DVD copies in your basement I know that for a fact like I've kept a box of DVDs and I'm like fine guys I have it Um, but yeah that's interesting that every movie is someone's favorite movie yeah it's kind of the premise of the show in a weird way like accidentally I can always get somebody to say oh that's my favorite it's like all right, let's talk about it well best of the best when when it came out I was like I hope I hope you've seen it. And so the fact that you that you have, you know, impresses me. I also was gonna pitch another dumb one, but it doesn't it doesn't connect me the same way, but it's a movie I've been trying to get for years. It's called The Perfect Weapon with Jeff Speakman. Oh man, that's, that's gotta be out there somewhere. I, last time I looked I couldn't find it on DVD. It was released. I'm sure it was released because I remember reading about a some kind of special feature that they produced for it. A special feature? Just the one. Just possibly. the one? Yeah, no, I'm I'm sure. I'll find this for you. This is what I can do. <laughs> that's what you can do? Yeah, uh, yeah I, I find that like the, the, the era of the early 90s was the era where like everyone was trying to get in on like action movies and you only need like a hundred thousand two hundred thousand dollars to make an action movie yeah they didn't have to be glossy or good no like, there was that real break between the joel silver production line or jerry bruckheimer movie yeah. and then everybody else yeah 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 there was top tier names and then there was like directed dvd stuff and i i am um, a lot of these movies i would watch on satellite dish Oh yeah, uh, because there's a lot of like niche channels back then that would, sh- like, there was a home for these movies. Mm-hmm. There was these homes, and they, they would they would play trailers all day long they were for them. Cable forever, yeah, yeah. And TBS ran Steven, like I can't remember how many Steven Seagal movies in a row, but it was a thing at one point. Yeah, TBS had a, a deal with Warner, and Warner was like the home of Seagal. Yeah, yeah, and then and TBS would also show do Forty Nights of Bond, like Forty Nights That's of right. James Bond, Forty Days, Forty Nights, James Bond. Like, oh my God. That's, a lot of Bond movies, um, but yeah, you, you, that's a movie I've always, I've always I've always looked for, and I I, I find that like uh, um, I'll go through Netflix and I'll go through like streaming options, and I love looking for like ran. I'll try to start with one old random movie yeah. and see where else I could spiral to. But you kind of always get stuck in these like new movies that like. Well, they're always pushing them at you too. Like Netflix is always sort of favoring the algorithm, whatever it is, always seems ganked, so it'll favor the five latest things that they've just paid for or produced or Netflix yeah. original this or that. Well, they like they, they remade Kickboxer with Van, they, with Van Damme. They made it with, remade it with Van oh. Damme. Yeah, speaking of which, 
That showed up the other day. Oh. I thought you might want is, it. Boxer <laughs> Retaliation. <laughs> he is in it. This is the sequel. To I, the, don't, to I the, don't know which one, which sequel it is. I think it's the sequel to the remake. Yeah, the, the Kickboxer Vengeance. Okay. I. It's funny because I, I, I watched the trailer to this recently. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's got Mike Tyson in it. Well, Mike Tyson also did uh, uh, Ip Man 3 with uh, Donnie Yen. He's in Ip Man 3? Yeah. He plays a wealthy, a wealthy land like owner like a like an investor and he fights with donnie yen does he still have the face tattoo yeah he's not the oh, i think so because he's got it in this i figured they covered up he, with makeup just so you wouldn't i guess if he's not playing an actor really. i don't know i don't i can't i can't remember but he has this great scene with donnie yen they, they when you do those types type of type of uh of movies with those stars you kind of get, gotta give everyone their moment right so you know Mike Tyson comes up he's like you're not as fast as me and so they, they go back and forth in this fight scene it, 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 it meant three it meant one or two, and two are spectacular movies yeah spectacular. I've only seen the first two I didn't even know there was a third one there was a third one it's on Netflix huh. uh, and it I was so disappointed because one and two had once again this narrative this wonderful moral narrative between it man and he it's it's kind of set it's it's set in a historical time like they're trying to give it yeah. they're trying to make an unbelievable character believable in this correct timing of it and so in Man three I just was like oh you, I think the words jump the shark you jump the shark and it's right. like oh I don't believe this anymore Mike Tyson shouldn't be here yeah um um so but but that but see like there's there's a whole stream of movies that like you have to go to Chinatown again and I, I'm happy that still is a thing. Because that because streaming hasn't quite filled that gap. Yet. Yeah. Well, they. I guess it's part of the import thing. If you aren't selling your film globally, then Netflix won't touch it. Yeah. So there's this whole side of distribution that. Well, Netflix is trying. I think I, I've noticed more and more Korean. Yeah. Things on Television Netflix, especially. Yeah. Like those are popular right now. So I feel like at some point they'll catch on. The world is just closing in, but there are still pockets of things. But like, even on the way here, though, like. Everything we know is changing. Like Toys R Us is, is I just a, heard, yeah, of bankruptcy. I'm like, what? My kid can't go to Toys R Us. Yeah, it's... I think I, what I appreciate more now as as the world changes is I've come to appreciate fest film festivals more. Mm-hmm. So like in Calgary, we have the Calgary Underground Film Festival, and and I assume there's many like that in Toronto. There's yeah, there's something like. I think there's one a week on average here. Oh, really? The underground stuff, maybe five or six. Well, what, what I what I what I I appreciate them now because if the, they don't exist, I don't know how I would see. I don't know how I would find gems of movies now. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that's why I've always said for filmmakers, like I'm always like, man, it must be so much harder because like now not only do you have to like have an idea, make a good movie, the the places you could send it now are so unclear where you could bring it. Yeah. That that I wouldn't know where to go because it feels like the models, the game is changing every every day, every yeah. day there's a new thing to do it. Jason Jones was telling me about the detour being uh, distinct. He was well the the challenge of his show, the detour, is that it has to be distinct in a world of seven hundred scripted shows, mm-hmm. and that's insanity. I mean, yeah. there were six hundred some movies released in Toronto last year, yeah. which is also crazy because now with DCPs you can just you can rent a theater for three days and yeah. pull all your movie. And it plays, yeah. but can you get people to come and see it? Yeah. And if it's in a film festival, will people know which film festival it's in, where to find it? And it's all like it's all about personal marketing and aggressive social media. Yeah. And who has the time? If you're trying to make a movie, who has the time to build the 
uh, the exoskeleton around it that gets it into people's homes or into people's eyes. Yeah. I, I have two stories here. One is my, my, a friend of mine worked at a very, very large DVD production company. Okay. And he, I was like, I was like, what are you, what are you marketing right now? He's like, fire tornado. And I was like, what is fire tornado? He's like, tornado fire. And I'm like, that sounds like the worst movie ever. He's like, yeah, but you know what? That movie knows exactly who it's selling to. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, we know where we sell that movie. That movie is going to like middle America, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and and to, to regions that still buy DVDs. And I'm like, oh, I guess you're right. And I'm like, what else are you doing? He's like, I got a movie with uh, Rob Gronkowski in it. I'm like, what's he do? He's like, he's in one scene. And I was like, so he's a star of the movie? Yeah. But we know exactly <laughs> who we're selling that movie to. Um, the Ron Gronkowski bass. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, when did you interview Jason Jones? Oh, it was a phoner we talked in December. So I talked to him in September. Yeah, because he was... That's, I that's, missed him by a week. I was oh, yeah, yeah. I went on an herb panel. So I was there for... I was... I, 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 they, they had just... We were there for Kim's, but, like, they had just... They were like, Andrew, you in town? Can you interview Jason Jones? And I was like, okay, yeah, cool. They, they interview... They, they bring Jason Jones to me, and I was, he's like, oh, who are you? And I was like, oh, I, I got a TV show in Canada. And I was telling about He's like, oh, I haven't heard about it. da 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 as we walked to the film festival, I probably... And, like, we had just did all the marketing on Kim's. Right. Like, it was huge. We had done the big event. We That's right, because it launched... It was on the air, like, two weeks before, right? Yeah, two weeks earlier. And so we were big. And I was... And I and I, I, I walked through all the way to the venue. I probably got stopped six times. People just like, I love the show. I love the show. We get to the venue. He's like, who the hell are you? <laughs> who are you? And I'm like, yeah, yeah. And then... So we hit the red carpet. And then... Calgary's my city, so everyone's like, Andrew, Andrew, Andrew. And he's like, who the hell are you? And I was like, oh man, like let's 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 roll together. So I I, I interviewed him for for the uh, I interviewed him on a panel, and I uh, he he made this joke because he kept he kept trying to jump to the Daily Show or the Detour, right. and I'm like, no 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 no, go back that time that time really dark time, you know the, the time where you like were broke, and he's like, why do you want to talk about it? I'm like, because like. I could talk about your success, but I want to know when you were broke and what you did to not be broke. Because that's the interesting thing. Yeah. Because, like, for, for aspiring filmmakers and writers and actors, yo, it's great that, that you hear someone being successful, but they want to hear about, like, what did you do to get out of the tough times? Yeah. And so I kept bringing him to that. And, uh, and he's just, like, I think he was a bit uncomfortable. But then, but then people in the crowd, like, were asking him questions about that. Sure. And and the one question that always resonated with me was um he I asked him, I was he told me about some shows that didn't get picked up. And I'm like, hey man, how many shows have you written that have been picked up but never made? And he's like, around forty. I'm like, you've written forty shows that had interest and development deals around and never got made. There's people in the audience, if they write one show and it doesn't get made, they're done. Yeah. Oh, and I know that feeling. Right? Just the, ugh. You write one script. You write five. There's people in the room who've written 10 scripts and they think their career's done. They have 30 more before they even get anywhere, you know? And so it's a good reminder of, 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 of how hard the work can be to get there. And so when we get, like, a DVD, like, kickboxer retaliation, you know, man, the amount of effort. Well, I don't know for this, but for other things that, to, that, that need to get made. Christopher Lambert? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Everybody's in it. Christopher Lambert. I read a thing the other day where he he paid his way to fly in and make Mortal Kombat that because was... he was making the most money on it and he felt bad. Oh, that's so he. Um, that's kind of sweet. He, he uh, 
he flew like they wanted to do reshoots but they were going to do it like in like a studio and he's like no no I want to do it properly so he funded that and so that always made me like you know that makes me like him more yeah it's those stories like Clooney never taking a salary raise on ER because he felt he was making enough money or what's the one recently where um, Susan Sarandon got uh, someone gave her part of their salary she found out she was making a movie and the two men were making more money and someone's like I'll just give you mine to even it out. I, just, I read it the other day. It was really nice. Yeah, somebody else... Oh, who was it? Uh, it was Chastain who was fighting for yeah. Octavia Spencer on something. And said, uh, and said, you know, I, I, we want to make the same amount of money. That's really nice. Yeah. And I, I, I think, I think you know, we're talking about this inclusion writer. I, I think it's hard to quantify that right there, but that's kind of what we want it to be. Like, you want to share... You want to share the roles, but you also want to share the, 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 the financial terms. With it. it's, a, yeah. it's a project you're going on all together. Yeah, and... It, we're at this place now where people can do the right thing mm-hmm. and get a huge amount of press, which mm-hmm. is fine. Mm-hmm. It's, I guess it's how it should be until everybody does the right thing on the regular. But we are at a place where, yeah, it's still weird and different that people are standing up and saying this is wrong or this should change or this needs to be better. And we'll just, you know, we'll keep doing it until it's everybody's better, until everybody is, is benefiting and we, we are at a place and that's going to take forever. Yeah. But, yeah, I'm trying to tie this to best of the best somehow. It's not working. Well, well we can be the best of the best. No, see, it doesn't work. Well, I always go back to the best of the best, and I look at, like... But it is about fighting together. It is about... It is about fighting together, coming together as a team. Yeah. And and I think more so, like, what best of the best will always inspire me is, like... Um, I, I, I've used the word morals a lot. Mm. But I, I, I think that's so important in our narrative as a society. What's our movie going to be? What's our storytelling going to be? And I think that, like... I get asked a lot. I'm I'm pretty positive in my career, and I'm always I always say I'm very thankful. And Paul will sometimes get mad. Paul's like, just 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 have just enjoy it. You've worked hard for it. But I think I am a product of my community. I'm a product of the people around me. You and I have never met until today. Yeah. But I I count you as someone. I'm like I imagine that guy. I imagine Norm's like a fun supporter because he supports Paul. He supports the show. Yeah. He's a supporter, and I I try to surround myself with people that are good. And I think in a lot of ways. I, it's that's why I haven't gotten much hate because I just surround myself with just really nice people and I try to be really good to others and I think that's creates some good karma in the world. Yeah, well, I mean, I like your stuff because your stuff is easy to like. It's good and it's you know, <laughs> thank you. It's, but it's well, I love the show. I think yeah. and I think just in terms of representation and all of that yeah. stuff, it's doing good work. But it's a good show. Yeah, like, that's more important to me than yeah. Does it properly convey anything? Is it entertaining? Can I care about the characters? Um, and that's something that, and I, and that's something I apply to almost everything, or pretty much everything. Yeah. Because if I don't respond to it personally, it doesn't matter if it ticks the other boxes. It's I have to care. And for, that's for me to like it, not for the world to like it. Yeah. For me. And, and that's why Best of the Best has resonated with me for so mm-hmm. long, and I think it formed me of like I don't want to put too much on it, but it formed me of like who I am as a human and as a storyteller, you know. And so I, I hope, I hope we, I hope in this digital world we can continue to make those movies because they really do matter. Um, they really do matter. And, and, and there's a, I play a, you do box office heroes, no fantasy, fantasy box office. No, I you, know about it. You know about it. Yeah. It's like fantasy sports, but with like box office movies. Right. I love it. I love it. Cause I, cause I, I love, I love analytics and I love looking at what movies make money. And what I've determined this year is if there's any time there's a movie with people of color and women, it's always undervalued, and it will always be the top earner that week. Right. So I always buy that movie. 
Because it's an excuse for people to get out and go to the movies. And to see themselves in what they do. Yeah. And so we look at Best of the Best and like I see myself in that and it's a good story and Eric Roberts can act and I, I, I had no hand in making it. But I feel like I have a hand in maintaining its legacy. Like, yeah. maintain, people won't know that movie. I was I was interviewing Boss Rutten many years ago, and I was like, "Yo, you know best of the best the movie?" And he just looked at me with a disdain. I'm like, that's the question I led with. <laughs> um, but that's what this is. Like, it's about being a champion for the thing that you love. Yeah, that's what film criticism is supposed to be. Yeah, and it's what film appreciation is just inherently. You, if you like the thing, you're going to tell people about the thing, and they're yeah. going to see the thing. Yeah, exactly. Like the thing, I, I, when I hosted the, the Screen Awards this week, I, I don't know if I, I, I told you about this bit, but I, I pitched the Academy this bit where they're like, what do you want to do, Andrew? I'm like, I want to utilize Snake from Degrassi. And they were just, they were like, what? Yeah, I'm like, Stefan Brogren, you know, executive producer from Degrassi? I want to use him in a bit. And they just, I think they were surprised. Cause I think they were expecting, oh, you want to use Eugene Levy? Right. Someone in a big TV show. I'm like, nah, man, Snake. And so the bit was, I go out to the crowd and I say, oh, you know what? I'm not feeling it. Like, I'm halfway through the show. I'm losing my energy. I wish my favorite teacher was here from high school. And then all I hear is, but I am here. And I look over and I'm like, Snake, you came. And then the crowd cheered, right? And I think it's one of those things. Like, for me, I love that thing. I love that thing. And it informed who I am. And I even told him when I met him, I'm like, you inspired a young generation of Canadian actors. I saw myself... In a six foot two white guy, right? <laughs> and so you can see yourself in a lot of things. But what 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 I loved about him was that he was a like kind of the nerdy guy, um, and 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 meeting him like so he's such a good dude, and so be able to do that. But we champion the things we love, and 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 so I hope to continue that, and we pass it down to our kids. And you know, we look at someone like Paul from Kim's Convenience. That guy has clearly passed down yes. what he loves to his kids. They're all rocking proton packs and lightsabers. Oh man, that guy's such a nerd. (laughs) But uh, yeah, that's you know we 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 started this long conversation about films, but Best of the Best is kind of the movie that started all for me, and 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 is the first movie that that made me think about storytelling. And I know it's odd to say that about a movie like Best of the Best, but it it really did, and so I will forever hold that in my heart. That's wonderful. And now that we have covered. Literally every action franchise in the course of this conversation, which is wonderful. I was quietly checking this online, and yes, The Perfect Weapon is available on Blu-ray. It is? On Blu-ray? On Blu-ray, in a special edition from Olive Films, and we will will find a way to get it. Oh my god. That's amazing. Speakman represent. My thanks to Andrew Fung, who's going back to Calgary for a bit, but will hopefully be returning to Toronto pretty soon for the third season of Kim's Convenience, which I'm assuming is shooting this summer? The second season was just released on DVD on the E1 label, and you can also find it streaming on the CBC website. Season 1 is on Netflix right now. Go check it out. It's a great show. You can find Andrew on Twitter at Andrew Fung, all one word, and you can find Best of the Best on DVD from Sony Pictures Home Entertainment in the U.S. It's also available there on iTunes, Microsoft, Amazon Video, and Google Play. In Canada, not so much, but you can order the DVD from Amazon U.S. or just hold out for a Blu-ray. I mean, if they put the perfect weapon out, anything's possible. As always, you can find me on Twitter at Norm Wilner and elsewhere on the internet at NowToronto.com. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at SomeoneElsesMovie.com. If you want to leave a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts or wherever, it would be greatly appreciated. Every little bit helps. It truly does. Uh, It's been three years of clawing ourselves up the charts, and sometimes we can sort of see the top. And that's all due to you. So thanks very much, and thanks for listening.